Hi guys, welcome back. You're listening to Books with Becca. Today I'm going to talk about F. Scott Fitzgerald's The Great Gatsby, or as it should have been called, An Inconvenient Attachment. The Great Gatsby has many themes, but two in particular that we're going to talk about today is social class and love. The first theme, social class, is prominent right from the beginning of the book as we are introduced to Nick, an educated man who entered the bond business in New York, financed by his father, of course. Nick was part of the upper class, but he wasn't necessarily very wealthy. He lived in West Egg, and as he puts it on page five of the novel, it's the, the well, the less fashionable of the two. The other of the two eggs, being East Egg, is where Daisy, Tom, and Jordan lived, members of the wealthy upper class who looked disdainfully upon the new money of West Egg. You live in West Egg, Jordan remarked contemptuously. The upper class to which Jordan, Daisy, Nick, and Tom belonged to was inherited, Just because some people on West Egg, like Gatsby, have enormous wealth, they will never be on the same footing as those on East Egg because they were not of the same breed. They were born into wealth in a type of aristocracy that James Gatz, a boy from a family of poor farmers, could not build a persona that allowed him to insert himself into their society. Even at Gatsby's party, when Nick first meets him, Nick had already recognized that Jay Gatsby was not of his social class. Nick said, I was looking at an elegant young roughneck, a year or two over 30, whose elaborate formality speech just missed being absurd. Sometime before he introduced himself, I'd got a strong impression that he was picking his words with care. You know, this reminds me of when I toured Harvard one summer and some very posh-looking students there actually asked me what I was doing there. They recognized that I wasn't of old money like they were and that I was not from a northeast state. I knew that I could one day maybe attend Harvard, but even if I did, I would never be accepted or seen as their equal. No matter how hard Gatsby tried to blend in, his words and actions gave him away. Later on in the book, Tom even mocked Gatsby's use of old sport, laughing at Gatsby's attempt to appear on level with him. Gatsby tried to copy the behavior of the upper class, but was unable to fully grasp the upper class's social cues and interactions. If Gatsby had been of the same standing of Daisy, he would have recognized that his elaborate parties are something that those of the upper class are appalled by. Another instance is when Gatsby, politely invited to a lunch, wanted to go, but he didn't see that Mr. Sloan had determined he shouldn't. The upper class didn't want to interact with Gatsby. It didn't matter to them that he may have had as much or more money than they. To them... He was and always would be of a lower class because of who his family was. His family was not known, which means they had no influence, power, or status. F. Scott Fitzgerald made it clear to us how rigid the social hierarchy of America was in the 1920s. And although it's not as in-your-face as the book puts it, the social hierarchy of America still exists, and it's difficult for those who are like Gatsby with humble beginnings to move up in society. There seems to be a cycle of poverty that plagues many Americans today, and when someone tries to break the cycle, they're rejected and torn down by those above them, just as Tom asserted his dominance and tore down Gatsby with accusations. Kind of like how James Charles rose to fame and was exposed by Thomas Halbert for lying about how he got famous. James tried to fit into the celebrity world, but ultimately was rejected from the elite celebrities he was trying to be, like Gatsby was rejected from East Egg brand of aristocracy he was trying to fit into. As written on page 148, Jay Gatsby had broken up like glass against Tom's hard malice. This not only referred to Gatsby's created persona being shattered and Gatsby himself being reduced to James Gats once again, but can also be used as a metaphor to describe the modern society, 
where instead of encouraging those less fortunate trying to come up in the world, the upper class puts up a wall, preserving the rigid social hierarchy that is inherent in American society. The second theme we're going to explore in this episode is love. In the novel, romantic love is very superficial. F. Scott Fitzgerald seemed to have a very cynical view of love. If taken at face value, the theme of love in the novel surrounds Gatsby's and Daisy's strained and awkward romance. But in reality, Fitzgerald intended to convey how love is not a fairy tale and happily ever after. Fitzgerald conveyed that true love doesn't really exist and that love is a front for ulterior motives, much like every playboy bunny who married Hugh Hefner for his money. Everything Gatsby did in the novel was all due to his love for Daisy, or rather, his desire for what she represented. He spent five years building up his wealth so that when they met again, she would be with him and leave Tom, as Gatsby thought the only obstacle to winning Daisy back was wealth, because that's the reason Daisy didn't marry Gatsby in the beginning. Daisy may have once loved Gatsby, as before her wedding she said to Jordan drunkenly, "'Tell them all Daisy changed her mind. Say Daisy changed her mind!' However, Daisy still married Tom, showing us that in the 1920s for a woman, financial and social stability was more important than love. It is in this instance that the themes of social class and love clash. Daisy had loved Gatsby, but in the end, as an upper-class girl, she was expected to marry well and have a stable life. Going back to the beginning of the book, the first time Nick saw Gatsby, Gatsby stretched out his arms towards the dark water in a curious way. And as far as he was from him, he could have sworn Gatsby was trembling. Daisy was Gatsby's dream, and the green light at the end of her dock that he was reaching for was symbolic of it. His dream was out of reach, yet so close he could see it. It is true that Gatsby loved Daisy, but more so, his dream of being with her fueled his motivation for lavishness, and he became to love and obsess over trying to become part of her world. What made Daisy appealing to Gatsby in the first place was her wealth and class and the fact that other men wanted her. This is what gave her value to Gatsby. In the book, Daisy is compared to a rose. A rose is only beautiful because we decided it was so. In the same way, Daisy was only valuable because Gatsby decided that she was. At the end of the book, when Daisy reconciled with Tom after finding out that Gatsby's wealth was of shady origin and left Gatsby defeated, Nick shared that Gatsby must have felt that he lost the old warm world paid a high price for living too long with a single dream. He must have looked up at the unfamiliar sky through frightening leaves and shivered as he found what a grotesque thing a rose is and how raw the sunlight was upon this scarcely created grass. Gatsby's dream disappeared with Daisy. The grotesque rose was Daisy in their love. When Daisy left, Gatsby's entire motivation for life was gone. He had spent so long trying to be with Daisy, striving to build up his wealth, and trying to insert himself into high society. And without her, Gatsby's work had all been for nothing, and his life fell apart, as often our lives fall apart after our dreams don't pan out the way we intended. This quote speaks about heartbreaks and the raw pain they inflict. F. Scott Fitzgerald's description of heartbreak resonate with many people today, including me, and will continue to be true for people of future generations. The theme of love in The Great Gatsby teaches us that love is conditional. Thank you for listening. Make sure to tune in next week where special celebrity guest Leonardo DiCaprio and I discuss Romeo and Juliet, the angstiest teenage love story. And now, a message from our sponsor. Here we have the Model 3 Stinger, complete with a yellow exterior and a green interior to make sure your guests are living the life. You can live the life, too, with this Model 3 Stinger. Who wouldn't want one? I know you do. (laughs) 